Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Making Things Work podcast. My name is Duncan Pryor and I'm the host of the podcast and I help organisations make use of technology to simplify and transform their organisations and to make work better. In this podcast series, we discuss topics around digital transformation and leadership in the workplace. And we've started this series discussing sustainability in its truest sense of the word. And that's because the subject of sustainability is moving beyond what has been up until now grouped together under a, a ESG banner, uh, environmental, social and governance umbrella. It's just something much more fundamental. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So today, our guest is Therese Gale, who is a technical architect with MuleSoft. Hi there, Therese. Hi. Good morning. Good evening. How are you? Doing very well indeed. Yes. So this is something of a first for the Making Things Work podcast. Uh, Therese uh, has recently moved to New Zealand. So how is the move? How is the move going, Therese? Yeah, uh, really well so far. I think the hardest thing was transitioning from summer in the UK and in August. Of course, we had those crazy heat waves. Uh, and going to winter, so even got to do some skiing when I first moved over here. We're now go, going back into uh, spring, so it's, yeah, and it, it's been really, really fantastic exploring a new part of the world and just seeing everything that New Zealand has to offer. Yes, yeah, so when, when I lived abroad, I often found that one of the challenges is there, there is a lot of paperwork when you move abroad, isn't there? And overcoming the admin can, can sort of, uh, if you're not careful, detract from just the pure enjoyment of being there. Fortunately, admin wasn't too bad. Uh, I think, especially with borders opening, they're just really keen and excited to get people back again, especially people in specific professions, so tech, um, healthcare sector, and so forth. So fortunately, the admin wasn't too bad. I feel like it's definitely doesn't outweigh the um, benefits. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, obviously, you've been on this sort of journey to get to New Zealand, and then obviously your your career is taking you in a particular direction. You're a technical architect and also a, um, a, a speaker, evangelist on sustainability. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you've come to this point where you seem to be really, uh, you seem to have really kind of discovered your why, as it were. I think a lot of people go into sustainability for a number of different reasons. I think for me personally, it was something that was always close to my heart. I did care, and I still do care, um, about looking after the earth and being good guardians and things like that. But I think for me, the fundamental change was once I started looking at literature and content that no longer looked at, if we do this, we can save the earth. It started talking about, we are causing irreversible breakdown how do we adapt? What does that mean for society? What does that mean for our ecosystems? And once I saw that change from what scientists and the wider literature were saying, it really made me stop and think, so it has to be part of everything. Your day-to-day, at work, um, you know, personal life, your, you know, in society, sustainability has to be embedded at every single layer. So it really made me think, well, what do I do you know, well, one, there was already a lot of things I was doing in my personal life, but I didn't really see a link into what I could do at work. So this is when I started thinking like, hey, technology, of course, is looked at something as a great saver. And there's a lot of hope is pinned on 
what technology can do from a solution perspective and you know be really the catalyst for change but it's not just technology right it's also systematic change it's education it's like so so solving sustainability is a multifaceted problem you have to tackle it every end but that's my journey into how I started thinking about what can I do in my day job and within my own sphere of influence to make a difference Yes, you very much come at it from that angle then, as opposed to you know, many people will be, you're in your job and then the company itself is uh, taking leaps towards becoming more sustainable. You've, you've, you've just joined those two things together. Yeah, for, for me, so I guess another interesting thing to note is, so MuleSoft uh, is a Salesforce company. So of course, Salesforce has really really fantastic credentials uh and it's you know been a trailblazer in its own right in and um, tackling sustainability but i can talk about that later on but mulesoft uh funnily enough especially when i joined didn't seem to have that much specifically that it was driving from a sustainability perspective it felt like a lot of um the really truly fantastic uh work we were getting from salesforce of course from that level it, we were um, you know, there, there were initiatives um, and all kinds of different things. But for me, I was like, well, surely there's more we can be doing as MuleSoft. Surely there's a good opportunity, you know, be it from, um, you know, increasing awareness of our own employees to like the really thinking outside the box, how our technology and platform can be used to help different companies as well and the kinds of different challenges um, from sustainability uh, perspective, it can solve. So this is where I, I, I saw, you know, it, it, if you will, as my calling to really <laughs> get stuck and do, uh, really see where we can take take this. Yes, because I think there's. Um, we'll come on to talking about MuleSoft uh, and, and what it what it does and, and how it does it at the moment. But I think it's it's fascinating that we're we're both both in the business of sort of helping companies to sort of, to transform and. Uh, to to make make work better, and the interesting thing is how a lot of technology it's it's getting it's getting more easy to actually connect systems and uh, and help companies transform through technology. But I always think that the interesting part is the is the human bit, and there's I think there's two parts of that, which is um, people enable enabled to do sort of more valuable work, and then the other part to it is then people say in our roles. We have to do a lot more now than just um, evangelizing a particular piece of technology. There's, there's, there has to be much more fundamentally sort of connected to what a company does. And I see with what you're doing by connecting the work you do at MuleSoft with sustainability is a fantastic example of, of that in, in action. Exactly right. And if you look at any large organization, pretty much every single one of them has made some kind of commitment either to being uh, net zero by 2035 or 2030 or having sustainable supply chains or, you know, reducing the amount of plastic it's creating or, you know, adopting more circular economy. Every large organisation has something around that space. So the question is, how do we help? How do we help them get there? And also, especially... um, looking at other parts of the wider ecosystem, so your governments and, you know, your public sector, these are typically organisations uh, or parts 
do have set targets, but perhaps aren't getting there fast enough. Or, you know, and this is where there's a real opportunity to come in and say, hey, we can help. This is how we can help. It's a little bit of, as you said, exactly, you know, understanding their wider vision, um, what's important to them, what's, you know, linked to their um, climate and sustainability aspirations, but also showing how we can help and making it easier for them as well. So not just saying, here's a product that can do it, but are there things like accelerators or really understanding where their pain points are? So for example, it's amazing when we talk to, you know, technologists understand what MuleSoft does. So like, it's a fantastic integration platform. We can connect all kinds of different systems. We know we can ingest files. We know we can do this and so forth. But sustainability teams have no idea, right? So the magic really happens when you combine those teams together and you're like, hey, you're already spending weeks uh, crunching data in spreadsheets, uh, looking at all the different sources, manually going to your suppliers or, you know, looking at uh, the whole organization, the whole value chain and bit by bit putting all that data together. This is where Mulesoft can come in. And especially if that technology team or IT department already have Mulesoft, this is where they, you know, the real power comes, linking them together and showing how how we can help. Yes, and so tell, let's talk a bit more about how you've 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 obviously over the last few years has been um, you've been try, you've been advocating for the topic of sustainable sustainability in, in the way that MuleSoft sort of engages with its customers. And we talked a bit before about some of the the hits and misses and the ups and downs and the way you you've had to sort of work through to, to, to then arrive at the, maybe, I guess, at the point you're just at now. Yeah. And in all honesty, it's a little bit push and pull, right? The customer doesn't know what they don't know. And also I can't invest time unless customer wants it. So yes. you have this really fun problem of how do we uh, show them what's possible while also, you know, it's the right time. Because again, depending on what industry you look at, for some, especially having just come out pandemic, a lot of organizations have, you know, their priorities have changed. Not saying that sustainability is not important, but there might be something on the short term that's very, very pressing. And they're just try, trying to, um, you know, stay stay in business for, for, for that matter. Um, but what I found is you always come across organizations or, or individuals in organizations for whom it's really core to who they are. And they bring that. So they're in very similar space. So sometimes being, you know, coming across those individuals. So again, one example, um, when I spoke at our our biggest, you know, annual conference in Europe, Connect, we had a sustainability breakout. And just from on the back of that session, we had enterprise architects or other technologists coming and getting in touch saying, hey, I've actually started thinking about what my you know, not just as an organization, but what also my IT teams can do to be better or how we can contribute to our organization sustainability goals. Um, so be it, maybe it's carbon reduction, maybe it's something else, maybe it's helping with quite novel use cases. What, what can we do? And that's where it's incredibly exciting to, because it gives me an opportunity to get deep into a specific industry, a specific use case and give 
given our best around thought leadership, what we got already. And this is where, you know, you evolving something that's quite novel and new because everyone's still figuring out, you know, it's, it's a constantly evolving um, area of work. Yeah, so let, let's, um, I thought it might be the next thing would be a good thing to do would be to sort of rattle off a few stats around, around sort of where we are because one of the challenges is that, is that particularly with cloud technologies, there's, uh, uses a lot of electricity. So technology becomes sort of part of the solution, but also part of the problem. Are there any sort of stats you've got at your fingertips to talk about the sort of the, the bad side, if you like, and how much uh, electricity is being used by computers in the world? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it the bad side. <laughs> it's just being more <laughs> mindful of the effects and also yes. as technology scales and grows, it's well, how do we get more output? Per every kilowatt, you know, hour of energy that we use. Um, but something that might be very surprising to people is we hear aviation sector getting quite a bad uh, reputation from time to time because it's yeah. you know a lot of carbon emissions emitted and so forth. But actually, if you compare it to the wider information um, and technology sector, you know, aviation was two percent. ICT was 4% in terms of uh, carbon emissions. And that's something people sometimes are not aware, especially now as so many, even within a company or your own personal life, so many things are moving to the cloud and it's this yeah. abstract space or it's just, it's just not a problem, it's just somewhere. And we often forget that it has a real impact, you know, to, to run or ho ho host your data in the cloud. It's, of course... These data centers need energy. They they need to be cooled. You know, of course, even for the data to, you know, from that data uh, center location to your phone has to make multiple hops and, you know, go through networking infrastructure. So, of course, all of this adds. And the question is also how clean is the energy grid? Uh, so, you know, again, depending on where that data is hosted, it could massively vary. So, of course, you know, if it's using renewable energy, that carbon intensity tends to be quite low. But then, of course, if the wind is not blowing or sun is not shining, uh, that, again, changes the picture. And, and another thing just to call out is, so there are quite crazy numbers in, in terms of estimations of how big the uh, ICT or the digital landscape will be you know some say by 2030 uh you know 21 percent of all um electricity consum consumption will be by this sector so again it's just acknowledging the fact running these digital services uh and technology does have a real cost not just financial but also environmental and um, and then if we are growing as much, especially with technologies like artificial intelligence or machine learning or blockchain is also one that gets quite, you know, uh, is quite resource intensive. So as those technologies scale, how do you, what do you do to make them as green as possible? Um, so yeah, that's some, something that I'm really interested in. Another thing, just coming back to cloud, I went to a conference about a year and a, go, year and a half ago and this stat absolutely blew my mind. They were talking about how a lot of organizations maybe have data on premise and their approach is just shift and lift to the cloud. Yes. But only 32% of data ever created is used. So there's a whole just masses of data that's sitting doing nothing. 
one probably didn't need to be created. If it did, maybe it's already outlived that purpose and should be, uh, you know, retired or cleared, uh, you know, according to its retention policy and so forth. And that also made me really think because it when I work with different um, companies, that is one thing. Even from a logging perspective, do you need to be logging everything? What should you be yeah. logging to make your life easier, but also not to have, you know, thousands <laughs> of uh, um you know bytes or you know gigabytes of uh, storage used up yes yeah, so i mean one of the things we're talking about uh where i'm working at the moment is is to thinking about actionable insights and figuring out what they are first and then uh organizing the data accordingly i think lots of times there's this sort of data collection exercise that goes on um and in the end as you say it surprised me though just how little of it gets used i didn't appreciate it was like that so i think the next thing would be quite interesting interesting to do because mulesoft then becomes quite an interesting example because if if you talked about blockchain and um various ai tools you can imagine those being particularly sort of data hungry but then mulesoft is a is an interesting sort of platform and um, quite difficult to connect to necessarily how it can help companies uh, become more sustainable. So let's, should we just start by just having a quick, a quick few minutes on what, what MuleSoft does and, and how it helps companies? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, quick thing just to add there. About two years ago, when we started saying MuleSoft has a role to play around sustainability, it's actually yeah. quite critical even internally, we had people <laughs> turn around like, hey, Mulesoft and sustainability isn't, doesn't go in the same sentence. What do you mean? <laughs> and again, even for people internally, it was quite abstract. Right. They're like, well, how does it actually help? Um, so for people who are not aware of Mulesoft, essentially we're an um, integration platform. So anything from data, systems, APIs, wherever it resides. So maybe it's on-premise, maybe it's in the cloud, maybe it's a SaaS application. Our real superpower is able to connect all of that together in a really easy way. So of course, um, you know, our product keeps evolving so that, you know, we cater for a whole host of different personas. So be it more your technical and IT teams who can, you know, maybe used to be Java developers, uh, you know, th- there's there's part of platform that cases for that, but also for your um, business, you know, more business admins, uh, those type of personas, or as we call them, citizen integrator, just being able to look into an interface and connecting, um, making those integrations as well. Also, the crux of it is for anything, if you look at any organization, I think it's something like, for a single transaction and you're like a typical, let's say you're buying something online and you, you know, it's going to be delivered. It can pass through 35 systems. So when you think about it for really large organizations, they need to have those systems connected up uh, and to have it, you know, information flow from A to B to C and so forth. Also that information is really critical to get insight and Duncan this comes back a bit bit back to your point around well we need to know before we implement any kind of measure so we can track how well we're doing so this is exactly where Mulesa can come in so one easy example we can think about is carbon reporting so 
especially due to regulatory change uh, or just for your organization stakeholders, you need to have that information across your scope one, scope two, scope three. What are your emissions? What are you doing to reduce them? But of course, before you talk about how you're going to reduce them, you need to have that data. And this is where somewhere MuleSoft is really well placed to help. So for example, perhaps you're looking at your buildings and the energy consumption or the electricity bill. Something like that could be ingested in and then you can um, use your you know tool or platform for that calculation of okay electricity converted into actual carbon based on um, what, what, whatever framework you use. Similarly with suppliers, so typically for organisations, majority of your emissions come from your supply chain. I think again it's between sixty to over seventy percent, so it's a huge huge proportion, especially for uh, Salesforce because if you think about it, we're our products are essentially, you know, cloud products. <laughs> so the, the, that, that's our unique offering. So when we look at, you know, our cloud providers and other things or for our offices, majority of the missions are in scope free and come from supply chain. So again, mm-hmm. even having inf- data that you can ingest from your suppliers around, you know, the kind of products or how far it's traveled or, you know, for some, they're able, able, even able to actually give you, like, that carbon-associated emi- emissions. So, like, again, you know, having that single view of all of your carbon emissions and, you know, being able to integrate it real-time or near to real-time is, is really, really where Mulesoft shines. Yeah, fascinating. And it's interesting how, like you say, you could a company could do all the work, all the work it could internally, but if it's, if it's, uh, if it's own sort of suppliers and to some extent customers... If they're not doing the same things, then the the whole uh, the whole enterprise of trying to achieve net zero isn't really doesn't really mean anything because there's so many there's so many chain uh, so many links in the chain. It's it's fascinating how the, the Salesforce net zero sort of product is it helps people connect with their suppliers you know, as well as just doing your own uh, internal best efforts to try and try and uh, get yourself to net zero. Exactly. And something else that is really wonderful about Salesforce, we want to take our suppliers on that journey. So even when we're interacting and communicating with our own suppliers, we tell them about the sustainability exhibit, which essentially says, for us, we've set science-based targets. We want to be in line with a 1.5 degree Celsius future and make sure that global warming doesn't exceed that. And this is what we're doing. But for suppliers, this is equally important. So we work together with our suppliers to show them how they can set science-based targets and really help them identify where they can also reduce their emissions. Because again, this is yes, looking within your own walls is good and making sure that you're doing everything you can. But ultimately, that's not what's going to move the needle. You have to look yeah. beyond that, look at the wider industry and looking at any every organization and it's typically the ones uh that will struggle the most where the biggest opportunity is where we can come in and help and again net zero tool, net zero cloud is really fantastic as one we also can help get that data in so wherever the sources are so be it your suppliers be it you know your energy or electricity records travel so forth 
but the but what what it does is it has all of that calculation so it pulls in laser's data sets so those conversion factors and it does that calculation for you and then you can use uh it's you know <clears throat> even for what if analysis so okay if i do this what is the long term you know reduction of emissions and things like that so as a tool it's really really great but i think what's quite a fun story to share it actually started more as an internal tool just for us to make sense of our own emissions so we're using a normal salesforce instance with quite a bit of customization um and over time we're like well this is fantastic it can really help others so this is essentially how it became a product yes it's a net zero pipeline and yes because again perhaps if people not use salesforce it's a it's a sales funneling tool to help you uh narrow down all your opportunities until you uh obviously hopefully win win them and um you can do the same with your net zero target in simple terms i guess you could create a pipeline of in quotes opportunities to, yeah, to, to move and towards net zero and now it's turned into a product in itself and i guess another thing to keep in mind with salesforce is it's essentially a platform where you can customize quite a lot so maybe mm. your objects and how they relate to each other and what you do with that at this it's quite easy so again if you're a salesforce administrator role uh, of course you can do more fancy stuff if you're a developer and so forth but again there's quite a lot you can do just via customization out of the box so this yeah. is why we have let's say manufacturing cloud health cloud they're all built on the core salesforce but then they've been tailored for specific use cases and that's i guess similar to net zero as well um it's more okay what are the objects or the things that really make sense to report on or we want to capture so then are you finding talking to your customers about MuleSoft that it's, it's actually the, the, the tool itself or the products itself the platform I should say actually fosters stronger business relationships so with, with your own suppliers and customers it's it, it creates that opportunity yeah so again one of the um huge advantages of well, Salesforce uh, as you might know, we, over the past few years, have made a number of acquisitions. Of course, Microsoft yeah. is one, Tableau, Slack, and so forth. So some, something that I find really impressive as well is our constant, well, I guess, re reinvention in the sense, okay, so we have the, this amazing set of tools. How do we yeah. make, make you know, the best of them? So, for example, something like Slack is super easy, uh, very intuitive, connects whole host of different audiences. So coming back to, okay, MuleSoft can help getting the data into Salesforce. Yes, there's a supplier portal maybe engaging with your suppliers, but if it's actually working with different teams, so how does uh, Slack come into the picture then? How do you set automated workflows or yes. how can people take it off and chats? So it's really like, how do you use all the different components to really actually help and accelerate change? Fantastic, yeah. Because actually, that leads us on to because the the, sort of, the good news story from the purely uh, the technology and sustainability point of view is that uh, even though cloud systems consume a lot of electricity, if if companies make make more and better use of technology, that does actually it's it's even with the electricity, you're still moving closer to net zero than if you did nothing. And another thing that's really important to differentiate one. 
it's how our technology helps with sustainability use cases. So this is things like, as we were just talking about, net zero. So carbon reporting, maybe it's ESG visibility uh, or understanding your supplier credentials. You know, are they ethical? Are they, you know, um, you know, slave trade free, et cetera, et cetera. But the other aspect or the other side of the coin is the tech that we have. How can you design, build, operate in a greener way? So those are like, so when I talk about sustainability, I usually break it down in those two big uh, camps because I think depending on what the um, customer's after, right, sometimes it is more the business saying, These, this is what we want to do. Can your technology help? So again, just some really exciting examples out there. Uh, you know, Unilever, Unilever wants a deforestation-free um, supply chain. So, you know, they're using... Uh, satellite imagery and AI and, you know, that solutions of Google. So that's one really cool example. That's a use case you, you can solve with tech. But then the other side of the coin is, okay, we're going to run these workloads in the cloud. It's, of, it's of course, having a real impact. It's, you know, there, there's a cost associated with it. So is there something we can do to reduce it? So again, one really easy example to think here, and again, it's just quite, uh, I guess, nascent in its in its in its own way but batch processes do they have to run a certain time of the day or could they run when there's a peak in renewable energy or there's a peak in solar uh, energy and just to make applications a bit more carbon aware so there's some really exciting work that the green software foundation are spearheading around this it's like well how do you actually make software a bit more in tune with what's happening uh, with the natural cycles of the earth. And this is where I've taken a lot of inspiration as well. Um, it's like, well, what does that mean for MuleSoft? Can we tell our customers to do or run their application a certain way that will actually, the, 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 the whole purpose of this is to reduce your absolute emissions, right? Uh, or to get more work out for every kilo hour as well. So it's like, how do we do that? Because it can't just be, operate as usual we fundamentally do have to change how we um design operate and run our applications and systems yes yeah yeah we, we talked about this in the previous podcast as well the, the cool thing is it's just it's no, no one's necessarily got all the answers you just have to really sort of chip away at these things again the salesforce sort of a pipeline analogy net zero analogy is a good one you could have hundreds and hundreds of possibilities and then you just got to sort of, as long as you're heading in the right direction, that's that's the main thing to start with. It's not as if you have to come up with the the grand plan, and then and then and then and then when, once you've figured out how to actually do it in one fell swoop, then then you start. You just keep just keep going, and uh, like as you say, just reorganizing batch processes. If everyone did that in the world, that would just be uh, a staggering amount of um, electricity consumption saved. That's not even really thought about before. And exactly, it's very much an iterative process. And you just got to start. Because again, you don't know what's going to work or the impact it's going to have until you try it. And that's kind of mentality we adopted internally as well. It's like, hey, we've just looked at these, let's say, sustainable um, development practices. Let's apply a couple, have a way to uh, track the metrics or to see the impact. And then we ourselves are starting to understand, okay, actually doing this does have you know the biggest let's say impact so for for our own learning we can say 
if you do anything, this is the one that's going to have the biggest impact. So again, it's that iterative process, not being afraid to get stuck in, and it's trial and error, because as I said, it's technology is quite abstract, and especially when you look at large yes. distributed systems, so some of it's maybe in the cloud, some of it's maybe on-prem, you have all these kind of networking set up as well. How do you calculate if you do one thing somewhere, what is the overall impact, right? It's a bit of an art and a bit of a, you know, a <laughs> uh, bit of experimentation. So it's just really trying things out and seeing what happens. Yes, because the vision's there, isn't it? So we just, uh, we're all, all trying to get to the same point. So it's just a question of, uh, of, of, of moving forward and just, just chipping away at it, as I said. So then that takes us back to the to the actually doing the job and how do you see how do you see the job um, evolving because it's in a way thinking about net zero is very much aligned with with what we so now know to be sort of what makes of good work if you like where you're you're aligned with a common vision and um, yeah you're 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 sort of pushed out of your comfort zone as well because you 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 have to maybe uh, doing what you're doing now you end up. Uh, standing up on the stage and talking about it and things like that so we're all pushed into into all these things that's good that's good for uh it's good for your career but it's also it's also good it makes um what makes you feel good after you've done it so how do you see that playing out over the coming uh years as we all work in this direction i think from a day-to-day perspective be it you're a developer or an architect uh, or you know another kind of role doesn't necessarily have to be in the IT team. I think you will see sustainability being a much bigger theme. So as one example, AWS, so Amazon, um, Microsoft, loads of these big cloud providers have now added sustainability as a pillar in their well-architected frameworks. So if you're an architect a couple of years ago, you may be balancing costs and efficiency and other non-functional requirements and seeing how best to um, create a solution for the specific problem. But now sustainability is adds another lens. So all of a sudden, you know, you have to co- consider all of these different elements to make the best solution possible for the planet, for the planet, and treat it as yeah. a key stakeholder instead of just business. Uh, or the customer being a stakeholder. And I think that's really, really exciting as well. And even from a, uh, let's say, team social perspective, this is something that I've seen a couple of my colleagues do, and it's always gets me uh, g- gives me a little giggle. So, of course, you know, going for a meal, uh, and depending on what you choose, can have, again, a real impact. So, again, yes. I know red meat and uh, meat itself can have quite a heavy associated footprint. So is it really that bad if every now and again, if you're going for a meal, it's a plant-based meal? And one of my uh, friends, uh, when I was working in the UK office, she actually organized a a team event and didn't tell anyone that it's a plant-based restaurant. Because again, you couldn't tell. They're really inventive how they put things together. Yeah. And, it, and again, it was almost experiment to see people, one, will notice what's actually in the food, <laughs> but two, also how they feel about it. So I think um, you'll see a lot more things like that. And again, end of the day, I don't want to uh, tell you can't do this, you should do this. It's just all about awareness. Um, it's just explore, exploring what it's like. So again, it's not going to happen over day. You're okay. You're 
going to be perfect, you know, the, today as opposed to yesterday. But it's just that slow evolution. So even for your own, like, you know, for me as well, I'm constantly learning. Um, so what can I do more in my day to day? What can I do more in work? And you can slowly, slowly, slowly see these ideas permeate through the wider organization. So even if we have to go to a customer workshop, you know, there are questions. What's the greenest way to get there? Do you really have to be there? Uh, how do we make the most of that time? So I think to answer your question, we'll see people being a lot more aware, but also know what they should and shouldn't do. Um, so again, interesting or like a really easy thing that straight away comes to my mind. So when supermarkets said, you know, you're going to have to pay for plastic bags, it massively, massively changed the, the behavior of society, of uh, yes. customers, right? So I think it's a similar thing. Like once you see all these signals uh, and you're perhaps encouraged to do things or it just makes sense, you'll see behavior changing throughout organizations as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I, I find now going to a lot of a lot of working from home, but um, and it, it's very, very nice to, to meet. Um, the, I'm working with a network of uh, different companies. It's very, very nice to meet up, but you only really need to do that, say, once or uh, it will be lovely to meet all the time. But if someone is uh, if I'm uh, living in the south, someone else is living in Scotland and and uh, we're all dotted around all over the country, it really makes very little sense for, for 10 people from different places to come together for one meeting perhaps yeah. once because it just helps break break the ice but uh after that it's you think well in the past i wouldn't have thought about it but now you think well hang on a minute Let, let's this this is this, this uh, an expensive not just an expensive in terms of money but an expensive environmental uh sort of meeting if you like if we if we do this too often and is that is exactly it's right i think a lot of people don't always know what each action means from a environmental perspective so as an example i read uh how bad are bananas and it looks at the carbon footprint of everything right and really simple things like seasonal food again in in the uk you're you're, you're quite spoiled because you can get berries any time of the year but actually yeah. having a blueberries air freighted from peru is really really intense on, on the planet so then yeah. even just shifting towards okay i will buy frozen ones and being aware of that change and again it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me but all of a sudden yeah. you're like oh i had no I, I just didn't think about it yeah so there'll be many many things in every year that goes by there'll be something we'll look back on uh and i think all oh, crumbs i can't believe we uh, yeah, we used to worry about things like that you know where uh, and it, it is interesting like you say when people it's just the, the mindset and suddenly it changes and you, and you can't believe you ever you ever thought that like you say where you got stressed out because the supermarket had run out of something and uh you know suddenly it's just some of these things are just not that important to know when it's presented to you in the context of the environmental side of it and i think there's also that sustainability point of view with work as well we can we can all do uh do our jobs sort of during the day whereas in the past uh we would all kind of wear each other out by uh, exhaustive amounts of traveling for no real reason other than that was just what everybody did and um now it's uh companies are really questioning it and then for example even when you've got um sales opportunities you really have to have qualified that opportunity before you actually go out and visit the comp the customer and spend money and spend 
sort of uh, spend money on fuel and things like that um when it just isn't isn't necessary and it might the the, the it might be something that just isn't isn't for now anyway so you then you you know if you don't go you haven't wasted a, a trip and i'm seeing that in the companies i deal with they really want to know you know they know am i interested in this particular technology or not otherwise you know, let's just let's just move on that, that that's 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 how i work with them but i notice it comes very very quickly now whereas in the past they'd um there'd be much more of a push to keep going and to arrange face-to-face visits and everything like that where now they just want to know straight away is this happening or not and and uh and, and it's a much a much better way of, of uh conducting business there was another point in the book around how a company was asking this, uh, I guess, carbon consultant what they should do, whether they should have paper towels in the toilet or, uh, you know, electric hand dryer. And he turned around and said, you, you should just not fly everywhere every week. Like your entire company flies <laughs> across the globe to meet people face to face. Like if you change something, you should change that. <laughs> Yeah, fascinating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great. So uh, I do like I was very happy to get a good book recommendation. So uh, thanks for that. Okay, so um, I think that's a good place to on a good note on which to end. And thanks very much, uh, Therese, for the book recommendation. And so what is the best way of um, if people want to uh, reach out to you at, uh, at MuleSoft and to discuss sustainability? What's the best way of making contact with you? Of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. Therese Gale should be easy to find and always happy to hear from like-minded people if there was anything that I talked about that piqued your interest please do get get in touch uh, and really happy to collaborate and chat further you can catch up on series two on the BML digital website uh, or your preferred audio app and we'll be back we'll be back this time next month for the next episode thanks very much